Yes, we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toladano. John Wall doesn't need no introduction. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick of the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. What's up? This is the Iron Rappaport Stereo Podcast. My name is Michael Rappaport, a.k.a. the Jake LaMotta of podcasting. We have a barn burner, smash mouth, I am Rappaport Stereo Podcast, where me and G. Moody are raising the question, is Kanye West a snitch? Another bad Uber experience? Barely black hair care? After effects of LeBron's Game 7 and so much more on the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast Plus. Right now, go follow a guy named Chris Brickley on Instagram, B-R-I-C-K-L-E-Y, Chris Brickley. You might not know his name, but you definitely know his Instagram footage. He's the guy who organizes all the summer games with LeBron, Russell Westbrook, KD, and so many more. He trained CJ McCollum. Carmelo Anthony, Donovan Mitchell, he's the trainer to all the NBA stars, and he's sitting down telling me some crazy up-close-and-personal badass basketball stories, getting grilled by Phil Jackson, who organizes the pickup games when LeBron, KD, and Russell Westbrook are in the gym, and so much more. This is a dope-ass interview with a guy I'm telling you, you may not know his name, but you know his Instagram footage, Chris Brickley, but first, me and G. Moody whose last name rhymes with duty, are going to do the damn thing. Miles Jordan, let me get something funky. All right, I am Rapport Stereo Podcast. 
coming live and direct. My name is Michael Rappaport, a.k.a. the Gringo Mandingo, a.k.a. the Jake LaMotta of podcasting, a.k.a. the Jeff Ruland of podcasting. I'm here with G. Moody, who's last time rhymes with duty. Yep. Smash Mouth Podcasting coming live and direct. The I Am Rappaport app is ready for the people. We showed, we proved already, we just put the app up, we put out an emergency podcast and an emergency short film. I don't know if uh, who, who's got it, who didn't get it, uh, but it's a great short film. Uh, it didn't come to fruition, but the short film is me going to a moving and packing supply store out of the goodness of my heart and getting LeBron James all the packing, moving supplies he will need for his eventual leave and deportation out of Cleveland. It's a fantastic short film. It's only available on the I Am Rappaport app. Listen, we're not going to fuck the fans, okay? We created this app. We will never fuck the fans. Now, if you, the fans, you guys want to, you know, get together and, and, and fuck each other, that's between you. I'm sure everybody's consenting adults. But we didn't create this app to fuck the fans. We created this app to give you premium content, okay? I told you, Tuesdays and Fridays, free, okay? But the premium, premium, purple, purple, the goofy grape, Wednesdays, emergency podcasts, emergency short films, only available on the I Am Rappaport app, which is available for iPhone, Android, and whatever else kind of device you have. We're getting ready to do a call-in show where we speak to the fans. All that is happening on the app. I talked a lot, Moody. I'm going to give yeah. you the floor in just one second. And the reason why I'm going to give you the floor is because I know you're going to have a lot to say. Yes, yes, yes. Hell yeah. LeBron James and his Cleveland fucking Cavaliers, they did it again. <laughs> Ripped my fucking heart out a couple of days ago. I'm just, I'm just getting over this. Game seven, I'll just say this, Gerald. The guy's un fucking real he played all 82 games this season and his 89th game game seven of that series was probably his best that was literally probably his best game i don't fact check the iron rapport serial podcast does not fact check but i believe this fucking guy had 45 points usually that's a crowning jewel it's customary. In somebody's career, a game seven, 45 points. Like usually it's like, oh. Yeah. This is like, this is like nothing to this fucking guy. Yes. Customary. I, I try, customary. I try to tell you, man, we're watching something special. So the hate should cease because you're watching something on another level and you just have to appreciate it. Because I've never seen this guy beat that, beat that team, Indiana Pacers, by himself. He can say By that. Himself. By because, himself. Because his team sucks. The Cavaliers suck. Yep. So when he needs to get 46, he gets it. When he needs to get 12 rebounds, he gets it. Defense, everything. This is, this is something else, man. So, yo, that's why I say you got to cool out on that hate on this, this basketball shit, man. This dude is some other shit, I got to cool out. I'm not cooling out. You fucking cool out. You got to cool out because you look I crazy. I ain't cooling out. I ain't cooling out. You look, look, he's beating... Uh, NBA team in the playoffs by himself 
No, nah, no, nah, we not cooling out over here, who, dude. Who, who's ever done that? Yo, my man, we not cooling out. Okay. We're going to keep going. They're going, they're, they're taking their talents to Toronto and Canada. So I got my fucking passport out. <laughs> I considered, now I'm going to be honest, I considered taking this series off, completely taking myself and my emotions out of the equation. Yes. After game seven the other day, I was so beaten. I was so morally defeated. I was so down. My wife said, take your fucking wasteland jersey and get the fuck out of the house. Mm. She literally said that. She said, take the fucking jersey and get the fuck out of the house. I can't take it anymore. By the way, this is all documented on the I Am Rappaport app. Okay? My post-game experience is documented on the I Am Rappaport app. And I don't mean to brag, but I will say this. For $36 an entire year, it's $2.99 a month. For $36 for the entire fucking year, the short film of me going to the moving supply stores and saying I have a quote-unquote friend who may be leaving Cleveland ASAP and I want to set up his move and set up the move that's fit for a king is worth the $36 for the entire year. And that was just the first, that was just the first 48 hours after we launched the fucking app. Plus, we did an emergency podcast with Steven Jackson, El Capitan, Stax, Brian Scalabrini, Al Harrington, and Deshaun Stevenson. That was just the app was launched, and then boom, that that went up. Mm. You know Steven Jackson when he comes to the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast, he doesn't fuck around. Nope. Okay? That was just weekend number one. Like I said, we're not here to fuck the fans. Now, if you guys want to get together, I don't know, the I Am Rapport Podcast Festival someday or at a loaf walk or at a show, you want to you wanna, uh, you wanna fuck around with each other? You want to fuck each other? That's what you use. I don't want to know about it. I don't want to hear about it. You're all consenting adults. But we, me, G. Moody, and the Dust Brothers, sometimes Dean Collins, a.k.a. the Young Shooter, we will never fuck the fans. Now, I'm going to tell you something, Moody. Go ahead. Fuck you. I will not take off this Toronto Raptors Cleveland Cavaliers series. I will be wearing my fucking jersey. I will be in front of that fucking TV Yo, so you got another jersey. Uh, you had Indiana, now it's uh, Toronto. Oh, yes. You're going to be yes. switching jerseys every time he wins. I mean, yes. you've, been, you've been crossing your fingers for the last two years. And, and, and I mean, at, at some point, when do you, like, fold the tent up and say, yo, I got, I, I got to chill out? Oh, oh. Did Jake LaMotta ever give up in the 15th round of a fight? Simple question. Nah. Did Rocky Balboa ever give up in the 15th? Rocky 2, 15th round versus Creed. Creed threw a punch. Balboa threw a punch. They both went down. Get up, one. Two. I'm Rocky Balboa in Rocky 2. I will not give up until this fucking guy, the self-anointed king, takes my gift, which I got him from the bottom of my heart, those moving and packing supplies and gets the fuck out of Cleveland in the darkness of the night like a bad episode of Homeland because it's coming, you fuck. You know it. <laughs> you, you G. Moody, you know it. The entire city of Cleveland 
knows it, and the whole fucking state of Ohio knows yeah. it. And inevitably, this fucking guy will have the moving trucks and will be skating out of there in the darkness of yeah. the night, the same way the Baltimore Colts once <laughs> left Baltimore. Uh, uh. And the, they'll have the fucking moving trucks. And I'm going to, you know who won't be asleep when this happens, Moody? Who? Me, you fuck. I'll be out there. Uh, going, yo, he where the fuck you going, ass? I'll wake the whole neighborhood up. They go, oh, the king's leaving. Where the fuck is he going? Yo, he don't owe the, he don't owe that city nothing. They owe him. He came back and brought them a championship. That's the only guy that did that in their fucking city's history. So if he leaves, they should have a fucking parade for him leaving. Shit. He he brought the championship back. He should leave. And they should have a fucking a red carpet for him to leave. That ain't no big deal that he leave. Fuck it. He won a championship. He came back. What you want? <laughs> well, I'm enjoying the playoffs. <laughs> of course, uh, Utah Jazz, led by rookie. Yo, this guy's got big fucking balls. Donovan Mitchell. Oh, yes. yes. Yo. Best player. They beat the shit out of Oklahoma City. Oh, yeah. And uh, fucking Russell Westbrook went on some. Yo, he's, man. His play, man. It's play, and, and it's crazy. That's a point guard, but, yo, he gotta, you got to involve your teammates and sh- share that ball, man. How you going to win like that? You no, all- they're never going to win. Yeah. you always going to be Paul George out. was like, oh, we're going to deal with it in the summer. I guarantee you, as soon as he left the arena, he's like, yo, he had his ship. Talk about moving supplies. <laughs> Paul George has, he, trust me, he, he's probably, uh, at this point, at the airing of this Iron Rap Port Stereo Podcast, he's left Oklahoma City, and he won't be back there until he's playing them on a visiting team, probably the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah. He, you know, he fronted it off like, oh, we'll, we'll do that in the summer. Duke, Duke is out. Yeah, he ain't man. coming back. He's not playing with Russell Westbrook again. I don't know what's going to happen with Carmelo, uh, but congratulations to the Utah Jazz. They have their hands full with uh, James Harden and that fucking beard uh-huh. on the Houston Rockets. Um, the 76ers and the Boston Celtics are underway. Game one went to the Boston Celtics, uh, but I expect that to be a tough Eastern Conference classic series. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, Golden State, I think, will make easy work of, of New Orleans. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's the rest of the playoffs. You know, did you see the game one of the, uh, the Celtics uh, 76ers series? I love Terry Rozier. Oh, yeah. I met him when I was in Boston. He gets busy. Yeah, he's nice. I like him. He kid. gets busy. And I'm not snitching because it's all over the internet. Because we're going to get to some snitching later on in this this year I Am Rapport Stereo podcast. Um, <laughs> Terry Rozier showed up to game one of the Sixers Celtics in a Drew Bledsoe football jersey. You go, well, what does that mean? Uh, what, yeah. what what does that mean? Is is there or is there not a fucking dress code intact? <laughs> Did Allen Iverson get dragged all over yeah. sports what? media for showing up in jerseys, hoodies, champion hoodies, and all that? Steven Jackson, that whole crop, Tracy McGrady, all those dudes, our guys, Al Harrington. Yeah. Why? Why is- and Terry Rozier, I fuck with him. It has nothing to do with Terry Rozier, but yeah. like, yo, is he going to get fined for that? Man, they not. Getting- I, I know Allen Iverson's at home, like, going, yo, what the fuck is going on here? Like, I, I hope that he's not trying to like make my man pay money, but like, yo, you guys made me into a, a, a public enemy number one. 
And yeah. Terry Rozier showing up to a game. I don't know why, what his thing with Drew Bledsoe is. I don't know if it was subliminal. But, yo, my man, you need to put a motherfucking a, a blazer or something. That's that's the rule. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy, man. They don't enforce it. Why, why is it enforced now when guys wearing all kind of shit? I said this two years ago. Guys, look, yeah, they, it's, look they look like they're wearing women's clothes, and that's fine. But Iverson, it was a problem, him wearing Tim's or uh, jeans. Then you had to switch it up. But these guys could wear all kind of bozo shit. Come on, man. Enforce the rule. Yeah, I don't know uh, uh, if they're going to find my man Rogier. Uh, but like I said, it's not personal. Um, and we're, like I said, we're also going to get to snitching later on in this year. I am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. So um, the uh, everybody wants to be a freedom fighter. Oh, yeah. I got to make a retraction, too. Go ahead. Uh, we'll get to that. So, so some girl I've never I've never seen her in my life. She's very pretty, pretty girl. Apparently, she's some sort of pop star. I guess you could be a pop star, and and nobody uh, can hear of you. Uh, by by the looks of her, she looks like a sort of like Jennifer Lawrence. She looks like a white girl. Her name is Halsey or Halsey. I don't know how to pronounce her name. Halsey, who apparently her father is black. Um, and she's and the mother is white, but if you to the naked eye, she looks like a white girl. I just like you know who else looks white? G. Who? Me. I look fucking white. All it's right. very clear. Like you're white. Now, if I do one of these twenty three and Me genetic testings, they might say, "Oh, you got like one point seven point six percent Italian," but you don't see me going around saying, "Oh, I'm Paisan." Eh? Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I'm not. I'm not Paisan. So this this girl, who I, I I've never heard of in my life, and I, but apparently she's very popular. She's got like nine million followers here. All she, I don't know who the fuck she is. Uh, a few days ago, she went on a big Twitter thing, big Twitter thing because she she I guess she was upset and offended uh, for fifty percent. What she says is fifty percent of the people that go into hotels. Uh, which uh, she she's saying that she because she's also some sort of statistician and definitely fact checks. Um, she says that um, she tweeted out and I quote, "I've been traveling for years now, and it's so frustrating that the hotel toiletry industry entirely alienates people of color." <laughs> people, I can't use this perf. She said this. I can't use this perfumed, watered-down white people shampoo. Oh. Neither can 50% of your customers. Oh. Annoying, unquote. And then she said, how can you live your entire life without knowing that people of color and white people require different hair care products? Let me tell you something, Halsey. I know you're young, okay? But I don't give a fuck. I'm so sick and tired of everybody trying to make every single thing into an issue. First of all, since you're such a big pop star, I'm sure you're staying at some of the nicest hotels all in the fucking world. Okay, you're you're super duper privileged. You could afford it. I know you acknowledge that. But what about the people with dry hair? What about the people with dyed hair? What about the people with thinning hair? What about the people with oily hair? What about you shut the Fuck up. <laughs> you're trying to make nothing out of something. Everybody thinks you're a fucking freedom fighter. Here's my suggestion for you, Halsey or Halsey, whatever the fuck your name is. Okay, very pretty. I'm sure that your prettiness 
is one of the main reasons why you're a quote-unquote successful pop star. Why don't you, since you care so much, even though you look like fucking Farrah Fawcett, <laughs> why don't you start a line of hair care products and I'm going to give you the name of your products for free. Halsey, you should start a line of hair care products called Barely Black Hair Care, okay? Because I don't give a fuck what you is. <laughs> I look at you at face value. You got freckles on your face. You got blonde hair. And you don't have no kinks in your shit. Trying to make something out of nothing. And, and you're not the spokesperson for motherfuckers with kinky hair. Oh, a, a, a person of color. That sounds so funny. But, yo, they're going to start wiping out a lot of shit. Like uh, brownies, they become the cake of color. They, they don't want to say anything or have any... Uh, negative connotations towards uh, black people. It's, it's, it's crazy, man. They're all nuts. All this race, the racial identity shit is all garbage. It's all stupid. <laughs> Yo, well, th this chick also said it's not just hotels. I've stayed in psychiatric hospital. Oh, are, are you damn right? From the, <laughs> Of course. <laughs> and they didn't have hair products for patients who were people of color. Yeah, she's a crusader. She's like the race mafia. She's a crusader for, for people of color so she could feel less guilty. That's all it is. So you become like a crusader. We don't, well, we don't fucking need you. Since you care so much, since you care so much, you start a line of barely black hair care products. You're welcome. You're fucking welcome. You can take the name. It's on the house. Okay? Fucking out of here with this bullshit, man. Yeah, man. All these fucking crusaders, man. I, I'm, I'm with all that shit, rap. I get the Black Lives Matter. You know, I get all that stuff. I'm with everybody, you know, trying to have fairness and be uh, harmonious with one another. But there's one question I have about Kaepernick. About what? About Kaepernick. Why is he wearing a costume from the 60s? It, hmm. it, that, that's the only question I have. I get all that shit. You know, you out there doing whatever you got to do. Put your, your money where your mouth is. But why is it in a Black Panther 60s? Like, we're in the 60s. I, that's all. Uh, that that's, seems odd. That's a very, very valid question. I, I don't know, because he, he's rocking the dashikis. He got the mean afro. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a, I, I'm sure if you asked that question, you'd, you'd fucking, people would be in an uproar. But I, you just asked it here at the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast, and it's a very valid question. Oh yeah, no beef. I just want to know, you know, it's like, like Eldridge Cleaver, but we're not in those times, man. All right, go ahead. Um, yo, in a couple of days in Los Angeles... Eric B. and Rakim at the Belasco Theater. I'm going. Mm. I'm going. I heard the shows have been dope. They've been, they've been doing a little, a little United States tour. Apparently, they're taking the show overseas and all that. I can't wait. Oh, man. Good. I can't wait to see them live in L.A. Uh, together doing their thing. Uh, I, I, just, I just can't wait. Because remember I said on the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast, my man Ron Artest met a world piece that we were going to go uh, and see it. So, so I, I, I hit him the other day. Hopefully, uh, we, we do it. Oh, also. So, Saturday night, 
I go out. There was a True Romance festival. 25 years since we did True Romance. 25 fucking years. Mm -hmm. And there was a little screening, a little event. It was actually really cool. They had a bunch of people were dressed up like different characters from True Romance. It was bugged out. I had a good time. A lot of fans of the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast. Shout out to all the people that uh, I got to meet um, and all that stuff. So because it was late and they told me the parking was bad, I call an Uber. Against, against my better judgment, I was like, I'm going to give it a try. So up the street from my house, I've told you, I've mentioned this before, there's accidents all the time. This, this street, this mm -hmm. fucked up street, little, little street, but for some reason... There's, there's accidents there, like all the time, serious accidents. So I told this fuck, as soon as I got in the car, because it's, it's literally the first street you cross, I said, please be careful crossing the street there. And he says, in some fucked up accent, I have no problem with the accents. People could say I have a fucked up accent, but he had a fucked up accent. And I'm pissed off at this piece of shit. And I'm pissed off at fucking Ubers in Los Angeles in particular. We talked about these nosy, chatty, Kathy motherfuckers before. I told this motherfucker, nice. So please be, please, I said, please be careful crossing that street. Okay, I got it. This fucking dumb fuck goes across the street. All you hear is screech, screech, screech. Horn, horn, horn. This cocksucker almost got me fucking killed. I said, pull the fucking car over and let me the fuck out. What mm. is the problem? The problem is you almost got me killed, you dumb fuck you. <laughs> now I'm not even going to give you time to start asking me questions and for me to smell your fucking dirty shoe tire breath. Okay, you got dog shit breath. Let me the fuck out of the car. I walked back down the street, got in my own car and drove, drove myself. I had to find parking blocks away because Uber, particularly in Los Angeles, sucks. I'm just going to take regular cabs from now on. Fuck Uber. Fuck Lyft. Fuck all the other variations of these bullshit, quote-unquote, pro professional drivers. You ain't a professional driver. Damn. Dude almost got me killed halfway up the street from my house. We just had that Uber, <laughs> Uber rant, and, and look what happens. We did our first double-handed Willie Hutch from the Disco 2 themselves. Yeah. Yo, Rap, I forgot, man. I wanted to bring up uh, Starbucks shit, man. Well, what about it? You remember that? We was talking about that whole issue where the guys got arrested in Starbucks. And I called the barista. It was a prejudiced barista. I, I think got, you called her a racist barista. No, nah, I think it was prejudice. You didn't call her a racist barista? Nah. You didn't and, call a racist fuck? No, no, no. Okay. And, and I, I did a little research, and I got to the real story of what happened. And this is how You're talking about the, the Starbucks in Philadelphia where, where, where the, the cops were called on the guys? Yes, and they, it made it appear as if they came in there and just arrested them, and homegirl said, get the black people out of there. It was none of that. The policy in Starbucks is in order, if you want to use the restroom, you got to buy something. So that's the policy. So those dudes were sitting there and um, they asked to go to the restroom and the barista said, well, you can't use the restroom unless, you know, you're a customer, unless you buy some. Money said, nah. He just, uh, she was like, well, you're not going to buy anything. Can you leave? Can you step out or whatever? Boom. Then she called 
the cops. I heard the 911 call. Yo, it was some bullshit. They just sensationalize it and make it appear as if it's some racist shit. This is all orchestrated. And now you got motherfuckers out there protesting some shit that didn't even happen. It's bugged out, man, what they, what they do. And people are like sheep. That shit is crazy, man. Well, I could say this. I, I, I didn't hear the, uh, the, uh, the call yet, but I could say this. I can tell you this. As a man who has suffered with ulcerative colitis since he's 16 years old, 16, 17 years old, you guys know about my three-point positioning system. You guys know how I get down on the 405. You know how I get down in the flower pots. You know how I get down when I poop in public. Against my will, I'm not proud of it. Yeah. But I, I do what I got to do. When you go into a, a, a Starbucks, when you go into a diner, when you go into a, a, a anywhere, and you ask them where the bathroom is, they tell me, yo, you got to purchase. You got to pay something. You got to pay something. I'll, I'll, at this point, I'll just be like, yo, uh, can I get a water? Can I get a coffee? Can I get a soda? I need the bathroom key. I, and I'll leave them money. Or, or I'll say, I'll pay afterwards. Or, or if they say yeah. you got to pay now, I'll leave $5 on the thing. Because $5 is worth not walking down the street with a little duty in my, in my underwear. Oh, man. Okay. With the wet but, leg. I, sorry. I don't want to divert the thing. But I, I know that when you walk into any kind of coffee place, uh, what are the other places I like? What's the Orangina? Yeah. Uh, what would the, the Jamba Juice? You got to pay to play if you want to use that toilet. Especially, I understand if somebody like myself, if I'm going to come in there and blow it out, yeah, you know, I should have to pay. Yeah, man. Um, it's, it's not a fucking help center. It's not the PAL. You know what I'm saying? And they make it appear as like these guys were just sitting there and they they racially profiled them and threw them out and called the cop. None of that shit happened, man. Motherfuckers, man. That see, that's the that's the detriment to this shit. And now everybody's protesting on on some bullshit. <laughs> A um, couple of days ago, the correspondence dinner, big controversy, this comedian, funny looking chick. I don't know how, why this chick, Michelle Wolf, is talking shit. Mm. She's the comedian that was up there talking shit about, you know, Trump. And she was talking about shit about Democrats. She was talking about shit about Republicans. She talked a bit shit about uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders or Sarah Sanders Huckabee, whatever the fuck her name is. And, and, and now they're saying, did she go too far? First of all, why, the Republicans don't have no funny people. <laughs> they don't have any, any funny that could go up there and represent them and, and, and talk shit. Hire somebody. Like, they don't have no, like, funny, funny person, like, who could go up there. Like, get James Wood. He's an he's a actor. Get him, like, a joke writer and, and do something. There's got to be a Republican comedian that could talk greasy. And now Donald Trump wants to um, cancel the correspondence dinner as a whole. Now we're not canceling shit, Duke. <laughs> Why? Why? We're, 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 Why? Not, we're not canceling jack shit because because you don't like it because Sarah Huckabee and, and cockeyed Kellyanne Conway and, and and all them, you know, she was talking shit about it. Oh. First of all, like I said, get yourself a funny Republican comedian. Uh, second of all, this is tradition. And third of all, you started all this shit talking, Donald Trump. You're the one that was disrespecting. President Obama publicly from day one, and now you catching feelings. Mm. <laughs> we not we not canceling shit, Duke. You understand? <laughs> and, and, and if I were you, I would just get somebody to snap on this comedian Michelle Wolf because she got some fucked up teeth. Mm. Michelle Wolf, she got some fucked up rabbit teeth. She, if if I was a Republican comedian, she'd be easy work. <laughs> 
Because she's funny looking. Right. She, she's funny looking. I, I, I think she's also very funny, but she's funny looking. Like, that should be easy work. You should be able to find somebody to snap on her easily and represent the Republican Party. Like, after she goes up there and talks shit, you just go up there and be like, yo, what's up with your grill? Oh. Because you look, you look fucked up. You, you got motherfucking otter teeth and you popping shit. Like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Her whole furniture game, like her whole set of fronts needs to be, like, refurbished. <laughs> um, Dick Stain Donald Trump is officially being sued for defamation by Stormy Daniels. That is going down. She filed a lawsuit. Yo, this is, this is a big deal. You can't just, yo, I know about defamation lawsuits. There's a certain asshole bleacher out there, okay, who shall remain nameless, who's talking all kinds of sideways shit, defaming the name, defaming the game. He might be getting hit with a defamation suit himself, mm. all right? Because, you know, you can't just talk all kinds of sideways shit and then run away into the grassy knoll. Dick Stain Donald Trump talking about, uh, uh, Stormy Daniels saying this and that. She filed a defamation suit. Yo, this could be a problem. Uh-oh. Now, it's going to take a long time. He's going to appeal it, this, that, and the other thing. This probably won't be something that gets her impeached. This thing could be drawn out for, for months and months and months and months. Anything. But, anything to get him impeached. Anything to get him out of there. Huh? Hey, he's a fucking scumbag. Anything to get him out of there. He's what? a fucking now, cum now, dump. Now, now it's this. Before he's it was something dump. else. He's a, he's a, he's a crumb dump. Crumb bum. <laughs> Next next week it's like, oh, uh, he lost his sneaker, so hopefully maybe uh, that will get him impeached. Everybody's upset that this chick Michelle Wolf did she go too too far? Did she go too far? Nothing is too far for Dick Stain nah, Donald Trump. Donald Trump knows that ain't far. That's lightweight. It's lightweight. So he shut the fuck up. Yeah, dirty grit. Yeah, he went out to he went out to Michigan and did a fucking pep rally. He's out there talking about, oh, the people, they stand for the, the national anthem. He's talking all his same bullshit, his same rhetoric. He needs, he needs to hire some, some, some new writers. He's kicking the same shit for the last 16 months. You need to flip your shit. to Do a remix on your shit, Dick Stain. I'm tired of it. <laughs> Yo, that's going to get him that second term, man. What do you think the pep rallies are for? Galvanize the citizenry. I am Rapport Stereo Podcast, aka the No Fake Smiles Podcast. Um, Kanye West released three songs over the last few days. One of them was some sort of spoof, the poopity poopity poop. I'm not even acknowledging that. Yeah. And he released one with T.I. Say, Yeever, Yay, whatever the fuck he calls himself. Yay versus the people. And then another joint called Lift Yourself. We listen to them over and over and over. The song with T.I. is a good concept. It's like a a black Democrat sort of uh, uh, debating a black Republican. Whack beat. It wasn't finished. Wasn't cared for. There wasn't love involved. You're not manipulating me. Okay, and then he put out some other bullshit called uh, Lift Yourself Trash. I'm going to tell you something, Kanye. I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> Nobody is coming to you for advice on relationships. I'm not coming to you 
for advice on politics. I'm not coming to you for advice on my girl, on how to raise my kids, on if my dog has fleas. The only motherfucking thing I'm checking for you for is some music, Duke. You talking like motherfuckers want to hear all this other shit. Yeah, Gandhi type shit. Come on, man. make the You're beat. not Gandhi, Duke. Make the beats and rhyme, man. That's it, Duke. Like, you, you, you sound off the fucking wall, man. And like I said the other day, I don't like you talking down to me. I feel like you're talking down to me like you got shit figured out like shit is sweet. Shit obviously isn't sweet. <laughs> you're not fooling anybody into thinking shit is sweet with you, Duke. You look fucking batshit crazy. No. And I'm going to tell you something else. I raised this question at the beginning of the show, and I'm going to pose it right now, G. Monetti. Is Yeezy... Is Jesus? Is Kanye West a fucking snitch? Oh. Is he a fucking snitch? Is he a fucking fed? He is work- he a cop? He's working with the because feds. Because every single person that sends him a text message, he puts them on blast and puts them shits on Twitter. Uh-oh. John Legend puts his text on Twitter. Friend of the Iron Rappaport Stereo Podcast and friend of mine. Talib Kweli texts him, puts it on Twitter. Oh. Friend of the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast, Charlemagne the God, texts him, puts it on Twitter. Ultimate sucker shit. That's it. Now imagine you text me some shit, Moody. And next thing you know, like, I put your shit on Twitter. You're going to be like, yo, what the fuck you doing, man? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to say, yo, what are you going to say? What is you doing? He's snitching. Like, did I text you or did I text Hannibal Burris? Like, what the fuck is good here? <laughs> Why? Like, if, if I'm yeah. John Legend or Talib Kweli, I'm like, yo, my man, I texted you, Duke. I didn't tweet this shit out. What the fuck is wrong with you? Right. You, you? You a cop? Yeah. You a fed? That's violation right there. Like, yo, we ain't friends Or are you a stoolie? Yeah. See, that's what a fucking stoolie does. Yeah. yeah. Are you a fucking stoolie? That's the friendship. The fake friendship is over after that. This ain't my man. I kick some personal shit to you. You you put it up there. Like, yo, look at him. Yo, you, yo, that's it. Relationship over, man. Yeah, what the fuck are you doing? Right. Kanye, listen. All them fucking songs you're putting out, Funky needs no explanation. So all these tweets and blah, blah. Yo, you, you, the joints you just put out are straight trash, too. <laughs> and I'm a bigger fan of yours than G. Monetti is. <laughs> yeah. And you saying them, this shit. You, yo, two strikes. You put out two bricks, homie. You them, put out two bricks. Them shits were straight garbage. Where them but drums at? I don't at? know what the fuck I... Yo. Where them drums at, man? How can motherfuckers leave drums out? This, this is amazing to me. It's remarkable. How you, you going to have a hip-hop uh, beat, a track, and, and it ain't got drums pounding in it? You don't hear the one. You don't hear the snare, the pop of the snare, the, the, the clanging of the hi-hats. None of that shit. Just, just a yo. It's, it can't even. I can't even fucking describe how weak that shit is, man. He put out some bullshit, man. I'm and, not coming to you for nothing but the music. All right, because you sound fucking bonkers, Duke. You out of your fucking tree, man. <laughs> some Gandhi, motherfucking fake ass Dalai Lama bullshit <laughs> tweets. <laughs> yeah, yo. Let me see you uh, digging for some records. Tweet pictures of you in them musty basements like Pete Rock and them motherfuckers getting records from all over. Flip the records. It's a craft. 
This motherfucker think he a designer and he's all like, nobody, yo, Duke, nobody's checking for you and your furniture. Nobody's checking for you in them skinny jeans. <laughs> this guy's walking around here with like shorts six inches above his knees and white socks pulled below his calves. Fuck you trying yo, to do, Duke? You yo, look crazy, yo, man. Yo, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened to fly. Just fly. Now, bozo shit. <laughs> like anything you could wear, like any weird shit you could put on. I'll put my hat as my sock. <laughs> you, you, you're not creating no trends with all this bullshit you're doing now, Duke. I'm letting you know right now. <laughs> Word. Where the smackers at, Duke? That's that's it. That's, that's all. It. That's all I'm looking for. The smackers. And if if you ain't got no smackers, like I'm not trying to hear all the you 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 fake Aristotle bullshit. <laughs> that's like Dr. He Dre. Putting out, he putting out quotes from other people like this is original. Shit, saying original. <laughs> Come on, Duke. <laughs> Get a hold of yourself, Duke. You, you I don't like how you talking to me. You talking like you <laughs> like you, you talking down to me, money. I, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, motherfucker quoting Tony Robbins, trying to claim it for himself. Yo, Duke, go get the records, get in the NPC, do what you do. We don't want to hear none of that, man. Fake-ass Tony Robbins and shit. <laughs> Fuck out of here. This is what motherfuckers bullshit. need to be telling them in the studio. Like, yo. Nobody's telling them nothing. Yo, yo like, my man, nobody wants to hear all that dumb shit you're talking yeah, about, Duke. That's when you need your friends. Like, yo, your, your homies. Like, yo, let me kick it to you over here. Yo, man, word to mother, that shit you playing is whack. Just like straight up. Straight up. Like that shit you talking, that beat right there, that shit is trash. Yeah. I'm, I'm letting you, I'm here to tell you as a friend, I love you. Oh, oh, you going to kick me out of the studio? Well, just remember I was the one who told you. You don't like what I have to say? Ask Kendall and Chloe what the fuck they got to say. Yeah. They're going to tell you what they what you want to hear. I'm not going to tell you that bullshit. Exactly. Yo, man, Charlie Rose is back in the fray. Oh, uh, man. Charlie Rose, a guy who was allegedly walking around PBS Studios naked, <laughs> harassing chicks. He was rewarded with a new show where he interviews his fellow <laughs> sexual deviants who have abused women as well. <laughs> this, is, this is going to be on Netflix. See, this is that's I got to say this. That's the perk of whiteness. Mm. That's the perk. No matter what the transgression, there's always a comeback. Mm. They they said he was walking around the studios naked, grabbing chicks, and a month, two months later, ta-da, a new show actually interviewing fellow sexual deviants. Mm. So who who were his guests? Gotta be uh, Louis C.K. And if they could corral Weinstein. Oh, gotta, that would be big. Yeah, it's big. <laughs> Yo, coming up later in the week. Me and G Monetti will be doing, speaking of Netflix, Rachel Dolezal. Oh. The Rachel Dolezal has released a documentary on Netflix. I can't fucking wait. Me and G Monetti will be giving full review, full review of the Rachel Dolezal documentary, which is on Netflix. Now, I, I mean, I got to be honest. I don't remember the last time I was this excited to watch a film. What about you? Oh, I can't wait. I know it's going to be a world-class comedy. I can't wait to review it. I can't wait to see the, the, the texture of blackface that she may use for uh, uh, the episode. So I'm looking forward to seeing it.
Yeah, I, I, I just, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. All right, listen. I told you guys earlier this is a dope interview. So do yourself a favor, especially the basketball fans, and I know there's many of you. While I'm talking now, go on your Instagram and look up C Brickley, Chris Brickley, B-R-I-C-K-L-E-Y, okay? This is the guy we're coming to next. Listen, you see his Instagram. His Instagram looks like an NBA All-Star game. He's a trainer. He works out all the players. He organizes these games in this gym in Manhattan. LeBron, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, CJ McCollum. Like, these dudes will show up at this gym in Manhattan. They work out. He organizes the whole thing. I told you, he invented the whole hoodie mellow thing. Works out all the rookies. He trains these dudes. I got to sit down and talk to him. Like, what what do you teach CJ McCollum? How do you work? Like, at, at this point in Carmelo Anthony's career, what can you teach him that he doesn't have in his offensive arsenal. Brickley also worked for the New York Knicks before they hired Derek Fisher. At one point, he was the only coach that the New York Knicks had. He he got crazy stories about Phil Jackson, all basketball, everything. This is a dope-ass interview. Rick Pitino stories, Donovan Mitchell stories, rookie of the year stuff. This is a dope-ass all-basketball interview with a guy that most of you don't know, but you've seen his clips. Chris Brickley, my man, coming up next trainer to the NBA stars on the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. All Buttersoft I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast t-shirts are available at districtlines.com forward slash I Am Rappaport. That is districtlines.com forward slash I Am Rappaport. All t-shirts are Buttersoft. The more you wash them, the more you dry them, the better they feel. Districtlines.com forward slash I am Rappaport. All right. See, I am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Chris Brickley, basketball guru. I don't know if you like that title. Trainer, uh, Instagram sensation. Might have been the person who was the first one to hashtag Hoodie Mellow. Yeah, that was me, actually. So... People, I already, you know, set it up. Chris Brickley is uh, the guy who, especially during the off season, you, like his Instagram, you're like, it almost looks like a video game. It looks fake. Yeah, it was crazy. You run these workouts. You you work with players. You, you train players. Uh, the inventor of Hoodie Mellow. Mm-hmm. Thanks for rocking me on the Iron Rap Horse Stereo Thanks podcast. for having me. Thanks for having me. I'm a big fan. All right. Well, my first question is this. Why would any NBA? I see you here. You're tall. You look like you're slim. You, you, you know. I, I read up on you. You, you, you play ball. Why would any NBA player come to you? Like I see you in the park. I might see. I got this guy. Like, yeah, no, like, what is right. your background in basketball? I get that question. I get that question often. Um, so I grew up in uh, the Boston area. Went to high school in. Which you didn't tell me before you came. I didn't. You didn't, didn't tell me that. You told me that. You told me that when you got here, you're from Boston, and, and that that could have been an issue setting this whole thing yeah, up. Yeah, I, I forgot to mention that. Forgot to mention that. But yeah, I grew up in the Boston area. Went to Trinity High School. Um, we we're actually top 25 in the country. Um, I was at top 100 in the country in my position. Okay. All the way up until my junior year. So you know, I could, I could hoop. Had a bunch of Division One scholarships. Um, went to Northeastern. Yep. Played behind Jose Juan Barea, who's now in the NBA. Yep. Didn't play much as a freshman. Um, Coach Bettino's son, Richard Bettino, that was his first 
college job ever. He was an assistant coach at Northeastern. Okay. After my freshman year, the coach left, Richard Bettino left, and Richard was like, hey, you could walk on in Louisville, and I, I can guarantee you that my dad will be loyal to you for life if you're loyal to him. So literally me and my dad got in the car from New Hampshire, drove from New Hampshire to Kentucky. I didn't even know exactly what was going to happen. We made, made the drive in December, and um, yeah, uh, everything was cool in Louisville. How, how does that work, walk-on? Like, are there tryouts? Nah, so it was kind of like a recruited walk-on. So this, I was right. Like, so you weren't just like the guy who worked in the Starbucks, like who like could wind up playing. Yeah, no, no, I was already. Uh, he, they knew about me. Like right. I, I was ranked coming out and everything. So um, yeah, so I actually went there hoping I was going to play a little bit. You right. Know? So I went there. It was great. Went to two Elite Eights, won a Big East championship, played with a bunch of NBA guys, and then learned from Coach P. That was like the ultimate goal. And who? What year was this? Who was on your teams? So I played with Terrence Williams, who was a lottery pick, Earl yep. Clark, yep. Uh, Edgar Sosa, who's from uh, the Bronx, David Paget, uh, Derek Character. Uh, it was it was a good team. Okay, and and Patino, um, you know, I had the pleasure of talking to uh, Donovan Mitchell who had so many, like he basically said like Patino took him from being a good player to a great player. I was a nothing player, but I went to five-star basketball camp and I had the pleasure of being coached by him okay. and watching him give lectures. And and obviously I'm a fan of his. And, you know, I, I, the one thing I remember about when, when I watched him give a lecture at, at five-star basketball camp, like the details, like he, he gave like an hour-long lecture on like the, the, the traveling call in the NBA like he broke down traveling what's traveling what's not traveling and the detail and like I was he's like an encyclopedia so what did you take away from Patino his practices are infamously challenging uh he changed Billy Donovan mm -hmm. um you know Billy Donovan was a pudgy point guard he got him in shape Donovan Mitchell talked about him getting in shape so what was it like actually being coached by Patino yeah his work ethic is crazy so I don't know many people know this. The NCAA has a rule, so you can practice 20 hours a week, so just so the kids don't, like, die. Right. 20 hours a week, they made that rule because when Coach P was at Providence with Billy Donovan, they went to the Final Four, and in the press conferences, the kids are like, yeah, we practice, like, five hours a day. And then the NCAA's like, wait, like, that's not healthy. So they made that, the NCAA made that rule because of Coach P. I didn't know that. So that's, that's a cool fact about Coach P. His work ethic is crazy. The guy doesn't sleep. Uh, at all. So um, I was, I worked under him at the Puerto Rican national team. I was his assistant. He'll call you like at three in the morning. Be like, wait, what do you think about this? He'll be in the treadmill. So he'll be like on the treadmill at three in the morning. Be like, hey, I'm watching film. Like, what do you think about this? Guy never sleeps. Like, like think about like a play or. Yeah, he's just, his mind is just moving. Um, interesting fact. So he gets to the, he got to the office every day at five in the morning. If you work for him and you don't beat him to the office, then you get fined. So just imagine that. every day, every single day. So it's not like he walks in and he checks every room. He walks in and if he yells, uh, hey, coach Mike, and if, and if he doesn't come, then he's fine. So they need to be there before him. So he really teaches work ethic. His, his work ethic is ridiculous. His attention to detail, as you said, so every day before practice, people don't realize this, how good of a guy he is. It's a different topic every day, a life topic. So one day it might be credit cards. You know, when you guys get older, this is how not to spend money. So every day he gives you life lessons. That's why he's such a, 
I respect him so much. And then you get into practice, but every day it's a life lesson. So it, and it, are his practices like, are they, is it a lot of running? Is it, is it like just hearing him being lectured? This is 20 something years ago. I was just, and I didn't give a shit about anything. Mm -hmm. I thought I was so fucking smart yeah. when I was 15, 16 years old. I mean, you must've learned so much about basketball, like the details of basketball and improving. For sure. And that, and that, I think that was how I got to where I am today. I would watch, you know, I would do my individual workout, but then I would watch the bigs and I would watch the guards. I did that all my years and I took notes. I still have the notebook. Oh, that's Just cool. all the drills that he does. He, so he himself, no college coach does this. He does every individual workout every morning himself, which is unbelievable. Um, so that, that's a whole nother, no coach does that. So he's like so dedicated. So he'll do, he'll do individuals in the morning from like seven to 10 and he'll go, lift weights, go, go on the treadmill, watch film, and then we'll have practice. He's just like a machine, uh, super motivating. Yeah. All right. So then, based on everything I know about you, other than your Instagram stuff, you got a job working as a player development coach? Or wait, what is that? What is a player development with the Knicks? He basically, it's just a skills trainer. It's on-court skills trainer. It's funny. I say that to people. I became a player development coach. Yeah, what no, the hell does no that mean? No one ever knows what it means. So player development is just... I can I help the guys with their jump shots and with their dribbling. It's just like a skills trainer. And who who decides? Uh, you know, Joe Schmo needs to work on his his drop step. Uh, this guy needs to work on his step back. Who is sort of sessing that out and seeing that? Is that you? Is that a combination of coaches? And then how do you go up to an NBA player and go, Yo, you could uh, be you know a lot better if you learn how to drop step, or your drop step sucks, or your drop step is non-existent, which as you know is is like it's going extinct in the NBA. How does that work? How does it get divvied out? And then who goes up to the player and says, "This is what we need to work yeah, on." So that actually was my role. So I had a you know, the Knicks are huge in reports, so I would have to write a report on each guy's game, their strengths, their weaknesses, and then. And what year was this? Um, that was my first. That was first year with the Knicks. So. Two years out of college, maybe 2014, 2013. Okay. Something like that. So when I first got the job, it was tough. It was tough to get, you know, we had Kenyon Martin, Ron Artest, uh, Carmelo Anthony. These guys I looked up to, they're older than me, and I had to tell them what to do in the court. And at first, it, and I, how does that work? At first, it was tough. Um, but I think me and Melo became so close because I was the only person, whenever he had a bad game, he, he goes to the training room, the game's done. And no one would want to be around him. They're like scared to be around Melo. Like he had a bad game. And I was just like, you know what? This guy's a human being. So I would just walk up to him and be like, hey, what do you think about the game? And we'd talk about the game on his worst games. When he had a good game, I wouldn't even say anything. And I think that he, the respect level became, you know, we became really close because I did that. I was the only person that would talk to him when things would go bad. And then through that, we became very close. And then I kind of... Just like anything in life, when you have a top guy, everyone below them will start listening to me. So uh, I credit Melo for really, you know, getting me the respect of the league. Carmelo, we could say what we want to say, not with all that bullshit. Mm -hmm. The one thing that no one could say is that Carmelo Anthony is an offensive machine. Mm -hmm. He has the whole gamut. He has, uh, you know, off the ball moves. He has, you know, with the ball moves. He has jab steps. He has back to the basket. He's got a whole fucking... A whole arsenal of offensive moves. He does. All of it. Mm -hmm. So if he has a bad game and you're going to go work with him or you're going to go work out with him, you know, he obviously came into the NBA having this and he's perfected it. For Fucking sure. jab step left, jab step right. He's got the whole shit. For sure. When he's talking about, like, I got to get this going, like, what would be something, especially when he was at the Knicks, 
that you would work on or that you remembered working? I know it's a few years ago now. Yeah, so no, I, so that's a good question. Um, so he was maybe, he was already in the league maybe five, six, seven, eight years. So how I became close with him, I would say, look, in 2005, you did this move, or we'd be in a workout and I'd teach him a move. He'd be like, I don't know how to do that. I'd be like, actually, no, in 2005, 2006, you were doing this move. So I would just kind of like re-bring it up to him. Like, you used to do these moves. As you get older, sometimes you forget the moves that you do. So I watched so much film on him. I think I've literally watched every single game he's ever played in his NBA career. And I would just, and he, and he saw how much that, you know, I watched of him. So he just thought that trust really built as he got older. He kind of got stuck into some things, and I kind of was like, hey, you used to do this. Get back to doing this. And uh, that was kind of how it became. Okay. And so the Knicks, I am, um, I am a, on a personal uh, uh, ban. I will not go back into Madison Square Garden until they allow Charles Oakley back in there. Okay. Um, I uh, have been very vocal about this. Mm -hmm. You worked there during the Phil Jackson era. Mm -hmm. Give me uh, some Phil Jackson stories, if any. Give me um, some weirdness and give me some brilliance. Because one of the things that I think is fucked up uh, about uh, Phil Jackson's time in New York is that it, it really sort of is going to be like a little bit of a stain on his legacy. Mm -hmm. But he is still Phil Jackson. So give me the best, weirdest, and wackiest of your time with Phil Jackson at, at, at being a player development guy. Did he even know your name? No, he didn't. Did he think you're like, because you look like, you, I mean, if you shave your beard, yeah. you look, how, you're how old are you? I'm 31, man. I mean, you get rid of this little fucking beard here, like, you know, like you probably get ID'd at the subway. Yeah. So you walk, you got Phil Jackson there, who's mm -hmm. Phil Jackson. Yeah. Does he even know who you are? He didn't. So when he first got the job, I literally day one, he, he, they gave him his office and I was like, I was like, you know, I'm going to go say what's up to him. And I walked halfway to the hallway. You're ballsy, man. You know? But then I walked back. I swear to God. I walked halfway, walked Did back. You, get, you got nervous? Yeah, I got nervous. So I'm like texting my dad. And I'm like, hey, should I go in and actually like talk to him? And so I was like, ah. So I did it. I was like, you know, I'm just going to go in. And I walked in there, introduced myself, asked me what my name is. He thought he probably thought I was like an intern or like some, like a manager or something. And he's like, yeah, they, are they taking care of you? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, nice to meet you. And I was like, oh, man, that didn't go good. Like, that that was awkward. I was like, ah. Oh. So then a few weeks later, he brought the staff in, and um, he fired. He, literally, he brought the head coach in, and he fired him. Brought the assistant coach in, fired him. Another assistant coach fired him. Everyone's f being fired. And I'm last in line, and I'm like, oh, I'm about to get fired. So I went in, and then he asked me three questions. And it was, I felt like I was like, it was really awkward. He asked me three questions. What were the questions? I, he asked me if Steve Nash was... I've actually never, ever said these questions. Uh, he, he said, was Steve Nash an athlete and why? Give me five reasons. He asked you it, just specific. Yep. He Do said, you have any idea why it was Steve Nash? Uh, no. Well, probably because your normal person doesn't think Steve Nash is an athlete. And so luckily, you know, I kind of keep track of everything. I said, yeah, he is an athlete because in the NBA Combine, he broke the record for the three-minute run. He got like 32. And stamina is actually athleticism. So, yeah, he is an athlete. So that was a question. Then he said... Were you scared shit when you were getting... Yeah, I was mumbling. I was super scared. Super scared. But uh, I, I tried to get the job done. Second one was, give me five characteristics of an athlete. Name that. Then he said... Wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Whoa, I want to hear the answers. So I said... They're fucking skimming over this stuff. This is the stuff here. So I said, uh, you know, jumping, but there's different types of jumping. You could be a quick jumper. You could be a, uh, you could have a great second jump. Um, you could, your know, quickness, change of speed. Now, wait a second. 
When when you say jumping, just based on what you see of me, Chris Brickley, yes, NBA guru, what would you guess? What kind of jumper do you think me, Michael Rapport, is? I see you looking me up and down, like just off the eye test. Okay, are you Ooh. lefty or righty? Lefty. So that means you jump off the right foot. That's I, correct. I, I bet at one point you could jump off the right foot and dunk it with the left hand. That's such a compliment and and such a because um, you look pretty tall. I'm pretty tall, and I have an incredible. I bet you I have the longest wingspan out of all guys in my size, at all the guys you work out with, even fucking Donovan Mitchell. What's your wingspan? Thirty-seven and a half. Okay. Okay. So the arm is thirty-seven and a half. So was I right? Could you dunk with the left hand? Hell no, I couldn't dunk. Oh, man, you, you man. gave me you, but but How I tell you, six three. I know it's sad <laughs> with the long arms and the six three. But okay, all right. So, okay, so go ahead. So you, you we got stamina. Jumping, yep. all sorts of jumping. Yep. What's the other thing you told me? Then he Phil? hit me with the tough one. So he said, when you go into your jump shot, do you go one, two, or do you hop step into your jump shot? It's a tough question because great shooters do both. So I said, actually, you, don't, you could do whatever you want into your jump shot as long as you follow through, have good rotation. And he's like, yeah, that's right. And then it was silent for a little bit. And I'm like looking at him. And then he said, all right, pre-draft starts in two days. And then I just left. And I was like, wow, I think I kept my job. So I was the only person on staff for like three months until they hired Derek Fisher. I was literally the only coach. That's crazy. For the Knicks. Do you think, looking back on that, that uh, if you had answered those, those questions incorrectly or differently or not as mumbly confident as you did, that that could have been like bye-bye? Maybe, yeah. And, and that was actually one other question which I thought for sure I was going to be gone. He said, you know, I was Googling you, and you and J.R. Smith are cool. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, why? And I was like, well, I play with his brother at the University of Louisville. He's like, so were you just here just because of J.R. Smith? And I was like, no, actually, Coach Patino helped recommend me, and, you know, I work with some of the other guys. And at, at that point, I was like, oh, God. Because, you know, JR's my guy, but, you know, sometimes he has a bad reputation. So at that point, I'm like, I'm done. So he asked that question, too, but it ended with, I'll see you in two days with pre-draft. So I, I was excited. And then the pre-draft was just a headache. And so what's pre so why was it a headache? Because I was, by, I was young. I was by myself. It, we had all, of, all 12 Nick scouts, all the management. Um, all the like VP people, we had five pre-draft guys and I'm running it by myself and I'm trying to teach them the triangle. I don't know the triangle. And so you're trying to teach these rookies. Yes. I mean, these potential draft, yeah, the triangle, which it was, it was a nightmare. And so this is really funny. I've never said this in, in anything. Um, so the, say the workout was at 11 AM. Phil brought me to his office at 10 AM and sketched up the triangle in like 10 minutes. Like this is how you do it. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, he's like, can you do some drills off that? And I'm like, yeah, I can try. So we did the first pre-draft workout was a disaster. It was a disaster. Every who, time, who were the players there? It was actually uh, it was D'Angelo Russell, uh -huh. uh, Emmanuel Moutier. Oh, okay. It was that, it was that draft class. Okay. Yeah, it was a disaster, man. And Phil kept walking. I was like, no, this is how you do the triangle. So when the workout was done, I went to Phil's office, and I was like, Phil, I don't know the triangle. Can we, can we like talk about this so I can at least know what I'm doing? So over time, I learned the triangle. So that was a good thing because. So so can you articulate what the fucking triangle is? The triangle's gone from New York. Mm -hmm. in, in a nutshell, and I know it's hard to because this is a this is a not a visual medium. What 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 is the triangle philosophically? It is. It's spacing. Uh, you you shouldn't be twenty feet next to another guy. 
Um, you know, it was, all due respect to Phil, he's the greatest to ever do it as far as having rings. Guys, the guy's a winner. Um, but I think that with all the analytics now, the triangle just doesn't work as much because teams know what teams they're about to do. Back in the day with Jordan, they didn't have film breakdowns, and so you couldn't uh. scout the triangle. Now that it's very robotical. Uh, it was just mechanical. And so, yeah, so I just didn't think it really worked out in New York. Um, but all due respect to Phil. He kept me. He could have fired me. Okay, cool. I mean, listen, I, I love Phil, and I got frustrated with it, but what was the thing with them asking you to s shut down your social media? Is that a real thing? Yeah, it was. So when I first got, when yeah, I, just, I had a big following through social media, uh, you know, through the basketball stuff I was doing, and then I'm also really close friends with Chris Brown. So Chris Brown, would always, I'm kind of like a, at one point in my life, I was kind of like a, like a mentor to Chris Brown, um, and he would post me all the time. He has like 45 million followers, right? And that, so that got my my page really big, right? And they hated that. So I could post anything at basketball, and they just didn't like it. They hated it. And then um, I think that the breaking point, which it might have been, it was kind of my fault. One summer, Mellow's like, "Hey, let's do a Mellow Pro Week." So I didn't really know the NBA rules or anything like that. And so we did a Pro Week, and it was uh, me and Mellow ran it. KD came. Um, all types of NBA guys came. Next thing I know, ESPN writes a story saying Chris Brickley organized this um, Mellow Pro Week. And then next thing I know, I'm in the uh, meeting with the GM and uh, the Knicks were fined a bunch of money because of that. But, oh, they actually weren't, but they actually weren't that mad at me because they're like, you know, we're actually happy that you got the guys together and everything. But you know what? You can't use their social media. So I couldn't use my social media. So all I could do is post like pictures of myself and selfies and so it just had to be normal social media it couldn't be anything with your job yeah exactly which you know at, at the time it was like i saw these other trainers doing it and you know with social media now you can make money through endorsements right through this so i couldn't do any social media and yeah so that was that was that i right. kind of okay know. how do you become so i think it was last summer correct me if i'm wrong last summer in instagram uh twitter all social media uh, you see, like, what looks like to be a private gym. Uh, it's not an NBA regulation court. Carmelo Anthony is working out every day, uh, you know, what looks like, uh, you know, early in the morning, late at night, with a fucking hoodie on. Mm -hmm. and, and, and then Hoodie Mellow starts, and then Chris Brickley, Chris Brickley, there's like, it looks like a fucking all-star game. I mean, look, LeBron's there, Kevin Durant's there, Russell Westbrook's there, CJ McCollum. You're working out with Ennis Canner. One day you're working out with Joaquin Noah at Riverside Church, Jim, which I was a Riverside Church. I was a Hawk. Cool. Uh, I mean, I, I'm seeing all this stuff. And last summer is sort of like, who is this fucking guy in Hoodie Mellow? So my first question is this, Hoodie Mellow, this is you. He's showing up with the hoodie. Do you call him Hoodie Mellow? How did the origins of the Hoodie Mellow start? So it started. Um, he, first workout, he came in. He had a winter hat on. Second workout, he had a hood. And then he started working out really well. And then we we're about to board a plane for Puerto Rico. And he's like, you know what? Do a hashtag and write hoodie something. Just You, you can decide. So I wrote hashtag, hashtag hoodie season. A few weeks go by. And Jimmy Butler's wearing a hood. And then a few weeks go by, and I'm walking into a gym in Texas or L.A. or Florida, and kids have on hoods. And I'm like, wow, we're making a real movement. Now, I don't know this for sure, but then the NBA, for the first time in NBA history, implements hoods on the, the players' shooting shirts. Right. And it's like going, it's just going crazy. 
Um, I should have copyrighted it somehow, some way, but we didn't. Dude, you didn't copyright the hoodie Mellow? No, me and Mellow always joke about that. We should have like copyrighted that hood thing. Because it's because I mean, the it was, NBA is making millions off it. They're making millions off it. And I mean, it, there's people with Instagram, Hoodie Laura, like they have nothing to do. Like it just became like a whole fucking thing. Yeah, it was cool. Okay. So just talk to me about last summer, like with the workouts. Like how nuts. did it become this big thing? So I had no idea. So I left the Knicks and I, and I, I had a feeling, you know, that through Mellow, I knew guys like Kawhi. I knew KD. You know, I, I knew James. I knew some of these guys, but I could never work with them because I was with the Knicks. So I left the Knicks. I had two years left of my contract, and I just left. A lot, like majority of people in my life, were like, "What are you doing? You know, how hard it is to get an NBA job to be the director of player development for an NBA team." And I was like, "Yeah, but I just, I my gut tells me that I think I can be more successful if I leave the Knicks." But I didn't know that, and uh, so I left the Knicks. And then you know, I started working out with Melo, and then I had Donovan Mitchell, C.J. McCollum, Ennis Canner. Worked with Kawhi. Um, worked with a whole bunch of guys, and then once August came, we were like. You know, let's revisit that mellow, those mellow runs. We called it Black Ops. That's kind of me and Mellow's thing. And then it just got crazy. It got, we, you know, I think it had like nine NBA All-Stars come through. Um, this summer, we're going to have to change it up because it, so the summer would end. I'd walk into the Lifetime Fitness and I'd be like 15 little kids outside, like asking me for pictures or asking me for like an autograph. I'm like, me, I'm a trainer. You don't want my autograph. And then once the open run start, that, so that's like a window up top. There would literally be like hundreds of people trying to watch these open runs. It was like MSG at Lifetime Fitness. It was wild. It was, it was awesome. I, I didn't really appreciate it at the time because I would do workouts all day. And then I would have to schedule them. I was actually more stressed than anything, trying to handle 40 NBA players' schedules at once. But then once it ended and the season started, I'm like, holy shit. That was dope. A Carmelo Anthony workout. Mm-hmm. What is that? Is it is it just maintenance? Again, now Carmelo is, I don't know what year he's in. He has every single offensive tool. So you if it's one of these videos, it's just you and him. Mm-hmm. What is the workout? And are you structuring it? Do you go into like, okay, we're going to meet at so-and-so time, yeah. and we're going to do this? And what is the this? So the, the mellow thing, he'll laugh about this. He's the only player like this, by the way. So he's very bad with timing. Very bad with timing. So you mean showing up on time? Yes. He okay. Is, and he'll, he'll tell you that. So okay. say we schedule a 10 a.m. workout. Then you know it's it's kind of like a joke amongst us that you know I from anywhere from ten to twelve he'll he'll be there. Okay. Once he gets there, it's all business. He's as focused as you can be. Doesn't want to talk to anybody. Um, he'll let me schedule the workout the night before. I'll be like, hey, you know, do you want to work on this, this or this? He'll say, let's work on this, and he he. And then this will be what like this this we'll or this. We'll do mid post one day. One day we'll do catch and shoot. One day we'll do conditioning. One day we'll do ball handling. We kind of focus each day on on different stuff and he as far as nba like star type guys go like you know future hall of famers he probably spends the most time in the gym so he started working out in may which is unheard of and he's just a gym rat he loves the game of basketball and he he really is he works so hard and i think because he works so hard the, all these guys in the league respect him and that helped me out because all these guys would come to me like oh Melo really doesn't um he's not really doesn't let many people in his life mm-hmm. i want to work out with you so I really do credit Mello to every single accomplishment I've had from player development because, you know, he didn't have to take me under his wing, and he did. So that's like my guy for life. And then so who was the next player that stored his – because I see C.J. McCollum. He's another offensive juggernaut. Yeah. 
I don't know stats. I don't stat check. I don't fact check, Chris. Mm-hmm. I, I wrote down a couple of notes here, and, and that was just out of respect because I knew your father was coming. Okay, so yeah. it's usually off the cuff. C.J. McCone, he can do it all. Step back, left hand, right. He's got all the shit. Yeah. So he starts working out with you. And, like, what is it? How, how do you say, well, we're going to work on this? Like, a guy like C.J. offensively, you may say, oh, well, he's defensive. He's short. He's never going to be a defensive stopper just because of his size. Yeah. What do you work on with C.J. McCullough? What is, like, and does he say I want to work on blah blah blah? And what is the blah blah blah? Some guys do that, but I don't. I don't feed into that because a lot of guys their sense of reality is wrong, and, uh-huh. and even some of the stars they'll be like they 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 want to do something that. So I kind of I I watch every clip. So what I do if I want if I'm gonna work with a guy, I watch every single time they touch the ball the past, that past season. Then I'll come to them and I'll look at all the statistics and say, from this part of the floor, you didn't shoot that well. From this part of the floor, you shot well going right. You didn't shoot well going left. And then, you know, they, they say, okay, let's work on that. Um, CJ McCollum, by the way, Kevin Durant just shouted CJ McCollum on and said he's one of the toughest guys in the NBA to guard, which, which I agree. CJ's having a great year. So CJ came to me because of Melo. Um, he DM'd me. And I was like, one day I was like, why did you decide to DM me? He's like, well, you know, Melo really doesn't let many people in a circle. So I wanted to see what you were like. And me and CJ really hit it off. That's actually one of my best friends. That's cool. Yeah. So like with his workouts, like what are you specifically like working on? So are you allowed to say these things like in terms of, oh, going to my left? I mean, he could do it all. Because if you're not allowed to say, I get it. Because you're not giving me the details. But like, I get it. Because I know that like the Pollux of like, are you allowed to say like, he said, I want to work on this? Because... With the eye test, I'm like, this fucking guy could do everything offensively. Yeah. Every single move, every single trick, he, he's got the whole arsenal. Yeah. Like, I got him, like Bradley Beal, like, they're, they remind me of each other because they're undersized two guards. For sure. And they do, they got it all. Yeah. So, like, with CJ, like, what is he working on? Like, what does he want to improve on? So, he'll get, so what, it's, it's kind of cool. They'll give me, like, their, their structure of their offense, and then I'll, kind of go to my room and I'll figure out drills within their offense. So at least it's productive. So first that, and then we'll work on different things. Like for instance, we worked on the lefty floater. Lefty floater is a super hard shot. We worked on a lot this summer. That's his offhand. Yes, he's a righty. So now every time he does like a lefty floater in a game, right after the game, I'll text him. I'll be like, oh, we'll talk about it and joke about it. And that's the best thing as a trainer to work on something for a whole summer and then see the guy do it. That's like the best feeling in the world. Um, yeah, and just, just making his handle better. You can always be a more consistent shooter. His work ethic is so crazy. Uh, he, that guy would work out like two, two and a half hours a day. It was nuts. I'd be tired. And he wouldn't be tired. I'm like, how is this possible? Who, who else, uh, as far as work ethic, uh, has impressed you where you're like, this is just a beast? Ennis Canner. That guy is like a gladiator. So he'll work out for like an hour and a half going balls to the wall. Then he'll go to the pool and like swim a bunch of laps, and then he'll go another session. His work ethic's crazy. I have a cool story about LeBron. Um, I've never told this story. So LeBron came to one of the Black Ops open runs. So the, the run starts at 11 a.m. So usually guys will get there, you know, 10.50, 10.45. Sometimes a guy will get there like at 10.15. LeBron showed up at 8.30 in the morning, and he lifted for like an hour. And then he went to the court and did all the stretching stuff. And I've, no one's ever showed up that early. And I was just thinking in my mind, all these rookies were walking in like right before 11. And I'm like, something's wrong. This guy is a, the greatest to do it, one of the greatest to do it. And he showed up two and a half hours early. Why don't you guys do that? So the, I have the utmost respect for LeBron. His work ethic is crazy. That's crazy. Did you, did you watch him lift? Um, I got, 
I didn't think he was gonna get there at eight thirty. So I live in the <laughs> I live in the building, and I usually eat breakfast at nine. I got down and I see. Funniest thing is Lifetime Fitness, a whole bunch of random people. Then you have LeBron James in the just in with amongst all the regular people, and he's lifting. And I'm like, wow, this is nuts. And I said, you know, I said, what's up to him? Thanks for coming. And he was just really focused. But yeah, I've never seen someone get to the workout two and a half hours early. What was the most competitive? Oh shit moment. Cause you're obviously a fan of basketball. Yeah. And and I get at a certain point, like you get used to working out with Melo. You get used to working out with these guys. Like I think last year, last summer, summer of 2017, um, there was a workout. First of all, I think Russell Westbrook was there. Yeah. That's was, my guy. What was the most first of all, when Westbrook was at these these games, these essentially these high-level pickup games. Yeah. Is he going as hard as like? Does he ever slow down? No, no, no. Russ, he doesn't. There's no slow, right? That no, there isn't. And there's no. I'm just everyone is afraid today. of Russ. That's the funniest thing. So when he what do you mean? When Russ walks in the gym, he just already has that demeanor, like he's like a pit bull that no one, like not many people, really want to talk with him. And I think we built our relationship because I, I would I just go up to him, you know, I, I'd we talk and I treated him like he was a normal guy. But a lot of these NBA guys are like afraid of him. It's like he's like a, like another species because he plays so hard. So that's, it's actually on my Instagram. The first play of the first day he was there, James Harden was there and Chris Paul was there. Uh, Melo, it was crazy. Victor Oladipo. First play of the scrimmage, he catches it. And usually at that point, the players are a little tight. He caught it, ripped it, dunked. His head was like at the rim. He dunked it so hard. I thought he broke the rim. And everyone was like wow, this guy, it really goes. And he, the whole scrimmage, he he went like it was the NBA championship. Who divvies up the teams? Me. Okay, how does that work? Uh, the night before, I figure out who's coming, and I'll just kind of divvy up. The one, I messed up one time, when K, so when KD and Ennis and LeBron were coming, you know, I, I really don't follow the media with all the whole, like, this guy doesn't get along with this guy type deal. And I didn't realize the whole Ennis and KD thing, and I put them on the same team. Um, and I guess after the fact, it was all over the media. Like, why was people in the comments like, OKC fans are like, wait, why is Ennis and Katie on the same team? And I was like, oh, man. I didn't, so I, I didn't think of it. But yeah, it's fun making the, ma the matchups. It really is. But, but how do you do that? So you, you're like LeBron James, Kevin Durant. The, all the, these are all alphas. How are you walking up to them and saying, you five versus this five? And are they ever like, no, fuck that. I'm, who the fuck are you? I know you're running the gym, but like, no, we want this. Like, do you, you like literally would say, okay, Oladipo, James Harden, LeBron, you guys are playing. Yeah, so I walk up to the, I have it on my phone. So literally I have my phone in my hand and I walk up to each player, you know, five minutes before the thing, I show them my phone. I said, this is the team. And they'll be like, all right. And no one ever has an issue except Melo. This guy Melo, he'll be like, no, I, I want this guy on my team. But all the other guys, they'll be like, okay, okay. They just take my word. Where it gets tricky is when you have like, the first 10, you have like eight, like kind of like NBA star type guys. Then you have like 10 guys waiting. When, when they Other NBA guys? Yeah. So when they lose, the NBA star never wants to come off. You're not going to take LeBron James off. You're not going to take James Harden off. You're not going to take Melo off. You're not going right, to take Right. There's CJ not like, oh, I got or next. Or Devin it. Booker. You can't do that. So then you have all these guys mad at me. Like, why are you subbing me in? It's like, what do you want me to do? Like, so it's like, it's actually kind of stressful having to tell like a big NBA guy, you need to come off for a rookie. So, you know. Bunch of people are mad at me. I kind of just whatever, and I, I figure it out. But that's kind of one of the stressful things. And and when they play these games, what are the games up to? We played eleven straight. Uh, ones and twos, and it's uh, you have to win by two. You have to win by two. First one to win five games, and that's 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 the day.
Wait, the, the first team to win five games. Yep. Okay, and what was the most... Like, it looked like a fucking all-star game. There was one one game. What was the one where you're like, I can't believe, like, this is my life and I'm, like, a part of this? Probably the LeBron-KD game. Uh, LeBron-KD and Melo, that was just surreal to see LeBron, like, doing the stuff he was doing. He 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 was playing just like he was playing in, like, a regular game. It was nuts. I think uh, another big moment was when the whole trade talks was going on and Melo didn't know where he was going to go. And then CP just signed with the Rockets. So it was James and CP. And I put Melo on that team to see how they played together. That was kind of fun. That that's good. Yeah. And and who is the biggest talkers in these games? That's a good question. The biggest talkers, Dante Jones. He's kind of known for that. The guy just never shuts up. Who else talks? You know, it, not many guys talk too much because sometimes guys will get into little beefs, but it's it's pretty. They they respect each other. It gets, it gets really competitive. That's the one thing. You know, you, you read the media and they're like, oh, I wonder how hard they actually played, or they play hard because at the end of the day, you're you're a basketball player and you don't want to be showing up by this other basketball player. So they they play extremely hard. They really do. Okay, so what players? Because uh, you're working out with high school players that are going to start college. Yep. You're working out. You worked out last year. I saw my guy Shamari Pons at the workouts. Mm-hmm. Um, what is what's Chris Brickley's college draft assessment? So what I do, I, I kind of go on the mock drafts. I try and find the guys that are going to be first-round picks. And, you know, I kind of, you know, I'm blessed to be in a situation where I do Instagram. I can DM some of these top guys and they'll respond. So I'll, you know. DM, you know, the guy that's eighth in the country and be like, hey, we should get some work in. They usually get some work in. So right now, you know, I'm going to work out Mo Bamba, who's going to be a lottery pick. Lonnie Walker, who's going to be a lottery pick. Pons, who just declared. Uh, uh, Colin Sexton. A whole bunch of guys, a whole bunch of these draft guys. I try and cater towards, like, the first-round guys. I'll get some second-round guys. And, yeah, just get them ready for the draft. And then I try and hit the high school kids because it's all about the – you need to hit the youth. So I try and hit the top high school kids in the country because I want to be doing this, you know, as long as I, my body's good. I want to do this for, like, 10 years. I want to run the basketball <laughs> training game. Who do you think is going to be uh, uh, the rookie of the year next year? That's a great question. I'm, I come with the goddamn great questions, Chris. Who's the most impressive uh, college player Mo Bamba. He's going to be the guy. Yeah, man. He's, it's, it's ridiculous. He, he's like a mini KD. He actually loves KD. Big fan of KD. Um, he's so long. He's tall. I think his game's going to translate better in the NBA. Who uh, is going to be the Kyle Kuzma of the draft? Who's the guy that no one's talking about that's going to drop low and who's going to be like the, ki- the, the guy who everyone's kicking? So Kuzma kicking himself. was a late first-round pick, right? Yes. Like, and uh, he, you know, he's arg- – I mean – you look at this year, Ben Simmons to me doesn't count as rookie of the year. I think it should be Donovan Mitchell. I'm with you 100%. I don't think that that's fair. No disrespect. I just think Ben Simmons is not a true blue uh, rookie. But with that being said, they, I mean, Donovan's, he's, he's in the West. Ben, I mean, Donovan Mitchell would have to do something like 50 points a game, 20 rebounds a game, 10 assists to beat Ben Simmons because you were just like, Ben Simmons is going to be rookie of the year. And then with, with this year, with the Lonzo Ball, the De'Aaron Fox, no one was talking about D- Donovan. Nobody. Nobody was bringing up Donovan but if, you, but if you came to the Black Ops runs, you would have seen people left those gyms like, wow, this guy is different. JR and Devin Booker and these guys would leave the gym and be like, this kid's something special. He would be playing against these high-level NBA guys in the games to 11. Some games he'd score seven, eight points, and he didn't even play an NBA game. So we knew he was going to be special. 
Um, okay, so who do you like think is going to be that that guy next year? That, gonna, that that underdog guy, like not not necessarily Donovan, but more like a Kyle Kuzma, like totally forgotten about because you can't even predict the kind of stardom that Mitchell's had so far. Raleigh Akins, he play, he's out of Arizona. Uh, he's you know second round pick. I think he can really shoot. He's really athletic. He's actually from Brooklyn. Okay, I like him a lot. And then so Hamadou Diallo, he's kind of gotten pushed back to like late first round, but this kid is a freak athlete. It's like a forty four inch vertical. And I think he's going to be really good, too. What is your assessment uh, of Trey Young in Trey, terms of an NBA player? I think he's going to be really good. We, we, we've talked a little bit. Uh, I, I guess the question is, you know, all these Steph Curry, that, you know, everyone compares him to Steph. It's not easy what Steph does. Um, you know, being so skinny and small and, you know, he can really shoot it, though. Uh, um, I think he's going to be good. I just don't know if he's going to be Steph Curry. I mean, Steph Curry, that's like kind of at this point saying, I'm not comparing them necessarily. That's like a KD, a LeBron James. That's a generational player. For sure, for sure. Um, you know, he makes it look so damn easy, sure. and he's been making it look so damn easy for so long. Yeah. And, you know, there was this conversation the other day. I hear what you think about this, about influence. Yep. Not necessarily the best, but like the influence on the game mm-hmm. of today's game. Steph Curry, you, you, LeBron is a freak. For sure. Okay. You're, you're not going to see a six foot nine, six foot eight freight train who can do everything he does, but like you're going to see six foot three guys who think they could shoot like Steph Curry. That's mm-hmm. common. Mm-hmm. He's changed the way, like, he has. His greatness has fucked up the NBA and fucked up high school and fucked up like basketball because everyone thinks, well, I could shoot the ball from it far. He ruins youth basketball. Steph Curry, I, I always say this Steph Curry ruins youth basketball. You, if we go to a park right now, it's ridiculous. The kids are shooting like NBA threes, jacking shots. It's like the worst thing you could do for your game. Um, Steph Curry's a great player, but I think the youth, the youth think they're going to be Steph Curry. And yeah, I don't think that's the case. Um, all right. What, what is next for you? What do you want to do? I'm. Uh, I'm trying to just pave a new lane from, you know, being the first NBA trainer that, that can really influence guys to really get in contracts. I want to get to a point where these where NBA GMs and NBA scouts, it's already kind of started, but where they come to me and they ask me, what, you know, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? It actually happened a few times in the summer. I was going to say that. Yeah, there were guys that, you know, they're kind of borderline guys. They'd come to a workout and I'd post the workout on my Instagram and the next day they get signed. And I'd be like, Wow. I actually like really have power and it actually helped me because then guys that were trying to get contracts would reach out to me trying to work out, hoping that I'd post it on my Instagram, hoping that all these scouts would see it and hoping that they, they would get um, on a team. So that, that one, I want to do that. I want to be the first trainer that like is this powerful. Are you concerned about the politics of it? Because this is a business. Um, you know, you're stepping on the toes of this team. Why are you working out with this guy? Uh, you know, he said this. Why didn't you post that? Like, you're, it's, it is a new lane. But, you know, then you got, like, haters. And then you got, like, well, don't work out with it. You know, like, I could do what he does. To fuck Chris Brinkley's workouts. Yeah, uh, he sat down so-and-so at the thing. Is this, like, a concern? Like, t- maintaining this so it stays pure um, develops a business, but without, I mean, I guess there's going to be, there's, you're going to deal with, with what you're going to deal with. Yeah. I mean, just staying authentic is the big thing, but I'm, I'm kind of over the whole Instagram hate thing at first when, you know, oh, I, yeah, you I gotta, listen, uh, take I, it from I'd, I'd me. Talking back to people. Take it from me. Then take that. it from me. <laughs> Forget the Instagram hate. Uh-huh. Do not respond. Mm-hmm. Leave it alone. Because sometimes it can get on you. It can it, get on your nerves. Take it from me. Mm-hmm. You, you do, do not respond. <laughs> it doesn't work. There's no winning. I, I, I stopped doing it when I come to find out that people just, one day someone said something crazy to me, I responded, then they DM me 
and said, thanks so much for responding. Right. I'm like, why would you do that? Right. So at that point, I kind of stopped, you know, talking back to people. But yeah, that's just how it's going to be. You know, at the end of the day, I didn't, inv- I didn't invent a wheel. I'm not some crazy trainer doing drills that no one else does. So then people can look at me and say, what does he do that's so special? And, you know, I get that all the time. That's cool. I'll take it. But I think it's deeper than just doing drills. I have relationships with these guys and they trust me. And, I, and you know, I have a resume of working with a bunch of NBA All-Stars and stuff like that. So I'm just kind of keeping my, I'm just keeping that going. But the authentic authenticity, that never, like CJ always tells me, he said, if you're good at what you do and you stay true to the players, then you're going to keep doing what you're doing. All right. Now you're covered up here. You're a tattoo dude. Mm-hmm. Who's your go-to tattoo artist? Um, and what's your, what's your, like your, cause tattoo, tattooing is a whole other Instagram culture thing. It is. I, I have scribble, scrabble dog shit on me. Mm-hmm. Now, now who's your guy? Who's your tattoo guy? And, and what's your ultimate goal with the tattoos? Um, and, uh, when will it fucking stop? So I just, I love art. Uh, I go to one guy in the Bronx. His name's, I am, his name's Rico. It's called Ink Studios. Um, he actually does a good job ever since I've started get, getting tattoos from him, all these guys in the NBA. Are like, where did you get those tattoos from? And so now this guy has a clientele of like 20 NBA guys. When I first got my tattoo, my dad almost lost it. We, we made it kind of like a bet when I got my first scholarship offer, I could get a tattoo. So I, uh, Northeast University offered me a full scholarship. So I got a uh, basketball tattoo. And when I got the basketball tattoo, I remember I walked in. My dad saw it, and then he just walked to the corner and put his head on the wall. He was so sad. And um, so, and then throughout my Knicks time, I was so, I didn't want the Knicks to judge me, so I always wear long sleeves. And, you know, I was getting tattoos at the time. I was kind of hiding them. And then this summer, I was kind of, like, blowing up a little bit, and I was like, you know, I'm just going to be myself if you don't like Did it. Did you go nuts with the tattoos this summer? No, no. It's, I've, it, no, I've, I've had them for a while. Um, I've, had my, I've had both my arms for a while. And you now you're you're a fan. If you had to get an NBA player tattooed on you, could, who would it be? A, a current NBA player? <laughs> no, I couldn't do that. You had to do it. I couldn't. That's you it. have to do it. No, nah, Drake did that and he got roasted. I can't. Yeah. I can't do that. Okay, fine, fine. I understand that. All right, let me let me ask you this: Are you able to watch basketball as a fan anymore? No, you're not. No. When you're watching a game, what are you watching? I actually hate watching games of guys I train. I hate it. Um, I get nervous. I just don't like it. So when I go to a game of a guy, I work out, I care genuinely so much about the player that I, I just don't want to see him mess up. So I actually don't watch a lot of live games just because it's too like nerve-wracking for me. Like If I'm like with a girl watching a game, she'll be like, why aren't you talking? What's wrong with you? And I don't want to be like, listen, I, I don't even explain it to her because it's just like I hate why I care so much about these guys. I put all my time into making these guys better. I, I actually can't watch them live. It's just I, it's nervous. I get okay, nervous. okay. Do you think uh, the Cavaliers could be beaten on, on the way to the finals? I think LeBron just becomes a different type of guy once playoffs come. He just I not, agree. not even a human being. All right, listen. Chris Brickley, I am Rapport Stereo Podcast. Dude, can I come to the games this summer? Yes, you're invited. And, and, and maybe I get there early. You, you see my left-handed stroke. I got to see it. Oh, yeah. Trust me. It's a, it's a thing of beauty. I'm a lefty, too. Okay, because it's I wouldn't say it's Chris Mullen-ish, but I will not say it's not Chris Mullen-ish. Okay. I was a, I was a big Chris. You know, Chris Mullen was my favorite player growing up. He was, I mean, he, he was a, you, you looked at your father when you. Because he knows. Okay, Chris Mullen, uh, I mean, that's that's my guy. So, so I'm going to come there in the summer. I'm going to check the games out. I won't say a word to anybody. I won't heckle anybody. I'll be there in silence and humble. I wish you the best of luck with what you're doing. Thanks so much. Uh, continued success. 
Um, and I can't wait to see the, the, the Black Op games uh, this summer. Uh, secret locations, secret times. Yes. Chris Brinkley, Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast. Thanks so much. Thank you, my man. All right, I told you it was dope. I don't fuck around. I told you I won't fuck the fans. Now, if you want to fuck each other, that's between yourselves. Okay? I told you it was going to be a dope interview. I want to thank Chris Brickley. Continue success. Continue doing your thing. I can't wait to show up at the pickup games this summer. I'll show you my jab step and my step back three. I am Rapport Stereo Podcast with Chris Brickley. Listen, Wednesday in prime time, okay? Because May 3rd is soul brother number one. James Brown's birthday is this Thursday. It would be this Thursday, May 3rd. It should be a national holiday. Yeah. May 2nd in prime time, amongst other things. So I am Rappaport, all James Brown podcast with special guests. I'll just give you one special guest, okay? The Chocolate Boy Wonder. <laughs> I knew he was going to say that. Yeah. Pete Rock is with us on the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast, breaking down what James Brown means to him, what he means to hip-hop. Word. Is he still relevant? And so much more. Me and G. Moody are going to be fanning out, talking about James Brown. Plus, special guests. That'll be in prime time. Who knows what kind of videos we'll have on the app? Who knows what kind of emergency podcast might pop up on the I Am Rapport app? Before we go, remember, the dunk attempt is coming up. And... It's going to be Sunday. That's when I'm going to go for it. So May 6th. Yes, Sunday. The last, like I said, the first week in May. Oh, so, shit. Okay. So, All right. May and, 6th on the I Am Rappaport app. All right. Miles, Jordan, G. Monetti. Fantastic podcast. Take us out of here with something funky. Chris Brickley, thank you for rocking with the best. It's the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. We out. <laughs>